Radio. My dad has a dog and a cat called Bolly and Merlin. Now Merlin came along first. Merlin's the cat. And Merlin was a little bit unhinged when we first got him. He was one of those cats where you stroke them maybe once, maybe twice, then suddenly and inexplicably his head recoils and bites you on the hand for no apparent reason. He had a real um, nasty streak about him. And then Bolly came along, a Labradoodle who's now quite large, uh, very friendly, very bouncy. And as you know, dogs and cats don't have a great reputation um, for getting along. But strangely enough, Merlin had a complete personality change. And Merlin became more friendly, um, more stable. Um, it just had a very strange but good effect on them. And indeed, sometimes they'll do this weird thing which my dad calls a loving in the sitting room where they kind of nudge into each other and uh, stroke against each other. You feel like you shouldn't be in the room. It's that kind of thing. But they get on very well. And I thought of that um, because of our first reading this weekend, which puts Bolly and Merlin's friendship into, um, into the pale. It's nothing um, like that because we hear about wolves lying down with lambs, panthers lying down with kids, a calf and a lion cub feeding together. So Isaiah's got this image of a holy mountain where there is peace and reconciliation, where various animals who would be at each other's throats are actually in friendship, living in harmony and peace. And Isaiah, in his reading as a whole, is pointing us, of course, towards Jesus and his kingdom. Jesus is the shoot from the root, from the root of Jesse. Jesse, of course, was David's father. And we know the Messiah is a son of David. Jesus is often called son of David in the scriptures. He was prophesied to be one of David's royal line. Jesus is the one who is coming to establish a kingdom, a kingdom which we believe is being brought about in the church. And which eventually, when it's fulfilled, in other words, when the church completes her pilgrimage, which will be in heaven, it will be a kingdom just like Isaiah's holy mountain, a place of peace where there is no hurt or harm, no weeping or mourning, no tears at all, no pain. The psalm says, in his days, that's the days of the Messiah, justice shall flourish and peace till the moon fails. So it's clear that Jesus desires to bring peace. We spoke last week about Advent being a season of preparation. Preparation, of course, for celebrating liturgically the Lord's first coming at Christmas. But also we spoke about how the church points us to the second coming, Indeed, our meeting at the end of our life with Jesus. It's about also preparing us for that moment. And we looked at one thing. We looked at the importance of silence. Silence is something 
to foster in our lives this Advent. Well, this week, I want us to think about another aspect which comes through the Gospel. And it comes really from the message of John the Baptist. John's message is very simple. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. We're told that many people make their way to John and receive a kind of baptism from him. It's not our baptism, it's not the sacrament of baptism. It's a symbolic washing of water, a symbol of them turning away from their sins. So they receive this baptism and then we're told that they confess their sins. And that's what we really need to focus on also in this season of Advent, the confession of our sins as preparation for Christmas. And it's linked with what Jesus came to bring us, which is peace. Confession leads to peace. But there are various barriers to confession, which I just want to uh, mention. I'm going to mention some of them at least. There's a principle that says, why do today what you can put off till tomorrow? And that often applies to confession. We know we should go. We know it's been quite a long time since we went, maybe a very long time. And yet we go, well, maybe next week. Yeah, maybe a bit closer to Christmas. You know, got a bit more chance to do a few more things wrong. Then I can confess it all. You know, don't want to peak too soon. Of course, a good confession is something we put off because it involves a certain degree of shame. And none of us like feeling ashamed. We have to bring our sins out into the light, as it were. So one thing is to put it in your diary. Make it like the dentist or the doctors. You know, you don't really want to go, but you know you have to for your health. So put it in your diary. I recommend once a month. Once a month is a really good practice. And the advantage with that as well is that it stops being a massive deal because you get used to it. The more you confess, actually, the easier it becomes to do. And if this helps, think about who doesn't want you to go. The devil, he hates people going to confession because it ruins his plans. It ruins his foothold in your life. The devil doesn't want you to go to confession. So even if it's just to spite him, make sure that you do. Another barrier. I'll never be able to look farther in the eye ever again. This is something we often hear. Well, for one thing, go to any priest. It doesn't matter who you go to. It just matters that you go. And all I can say from the side of a priest is that after a humble and honest confession, I'm filled with admiration. I'm edified. And indeed, often I'm challenged by the love and trust that a person shows in the forgiveness of Jesus especially when they're confessing difficult things. So the priest is most likely going to be full of admiration for you. And even if he wasn't, it doesn't really matter. The only person you need to bother about pleasing or disappointing is Jesus Christ. 
And remember, if we don't ever go to confession, don't assume it's because you're saintly. Sometimes people will say, you know, I just wouldn't have a clue what to confess. And I go, really? <laughs> really? Because after a week, you know, I've got a full list. The saints are the ones who actually go the most to confession. St. John Paul II, I think, went every week, if not even every day. So saints go a lot because they know their need of God's forgiveness. And a third thing that we often hear, can't I just go directly to God? Can't I just go straight to God? Why do I need to go to a priest? Why, in other words, do we need the sacraments? Well, it's true that, in fact, we often do go directly to God. In fact, in the Mass, that's exactly what we're doing at the beginning. When we do the penitential rite, we ask the Lord to have mercy on us. And we believe that that is sufficient for the forgiveness of minor sins. Minor sins which we know as venial sins. But there's another level of sin which we call mortal sins or grave sin or serious sin. And those are sins which separate us from God. And they require us to go to confession in order to be put in right relationship with God again. As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate.